we're back. Hey, Vertical. Oh, that's your line. I said yours. You said mine. Oh, that was look great. At that. Look at that. But you have to say it like, hey, Vertical. <laughs> what am I supposed to say next? <laughs> hey, how about that last episode of the Vertical Plus podcast? It was pretty great. Yeah. When we have guests on, it makes me feel better because it just feels like people listen to me ramble, especially. They're used to listening to you ramble, though. I think people I like didn't that. Expect they you continue to jump in and coming agree so to quickly. church here. <laughs> uh, moving on. So, our guests are back, and we're going to talk more about this purity culture thing. Yes. Yeah. And moving in the direction of healing and what the role of therapy is in that and what that looks like. Um, but also what the role of the church has been and should be and what we want to see happen in the church with this healing process. So that part sounds like a trap, but we'll, we'll get involved with it anyway. We will censor you. It's okay. And just as a, like a caveat before we get into this, I personally go to therapy. You go to therapy. Mm -hmm. Therapy is something we do at vertical church, right? Yes. So to be able to talk about this, it's a little bit in the vein of if you are scared of therapy, let us convince you that there are good things that happen at a therapist's office, at a good therapist's office. Yes. Uh, so and we actually have, look, oh my gosh, we have a therapist here. We do. And what I are the bet odds? she'll tell us yeah, so, <laughs> a little bit about therapy. Yeah, you'll be able to walk us through that. I so, got a few. Yeah, few let's get rolling because I think the curiosity has peaked here. Like, okay, describe the problem, experience the problem. We've all been through the problem. All right, enough with the problem, uh, at least in an episode. Let's get to solutions and how we start to solve the problem, right? Yep. So someone pursues therapy or should pursue therapy. Like, wh- how does this go? What does this look like? Yeah, so what I would say to someone who's looking for specifically a therapist that specializes in sexual trauma or any type of trauma, um, I would make sure that they have the correct credentials for that because there there is some specialized training that can go along with it I think everyone generally has some type of understanding of what trauma is and what it does to you and how to work through that but if you have been through what we call complex trauma which is little t after little t after little t or multiple big t traumas that have Mm -hmm. occurred to you over time um, you probably want to go to someone who is specialized in it and has the correct training um because I'm, I'm not going to lie, this is a, it's a difficult journey to go through therapy. But as I think I've heard Reshma say this over and over, it's like when you go through the most difficult points, there's so much growth that occurs mm-hmm. after that. Um, and, yeah, you want to have someone who knows how to guide you through that effectively. But um, – So there's a lot of reasons why people can go to therapy after a traumatic event has happened. Um, One of the minor things, I'll get to the kind of the major thing in a minute, is um, to kind of get a new perspective on what actually happened when the trauma occurs. There's a lot of people who experience shame because, you know, they think, why didn't I do this when this happened? Why didn't I yell? Why didn't I run away? Um, And the truth is, your body was responding in a way that, um, in a way that was just really trying to save your life. It perceived a threat mm-hmm. and it acted in that. And so got a little demonstration to kind of show you what oh my goes gosh, on I in your just brain. I yes. so nervous. <laughs> Did that happen to you? I was like, oh man. Okay, go ahead. All right. Well, it's okay. So 
So can our listeners do this? At yes, the your same listeners time? can do this. Okay. I'll describe it and then I'll do it toward the camera for the people who are um, joining us, joining on us YouTube. on YouTube. Okay. So you just take your hand as okay. if you're waving to someone okay. and I'll go this way. Yes. And then fold your thumb over your palm. Next mm-hmm. to your purity ring. That's <laughs> okay. That's yeah. And then fold your fingers over the top of your thumb and it creates a fist. But mm-hmm. this is actually a pretty good representation of how to explain the different parts of your brain that are affected okay. during trauma. So we're gonna open it back up. Where your wrist is that connects down into your arm, that's your body. Mm-hmm. And your body is, especially in sexual trauma, that is definitely involved in um, where your memories are stored and how you react. The palm right here is, um, it is your brainstem. And so that is where the kind of um, primal need to survive thoughts go through your head. Okay. You fold your thumb over and that's your limbic system. That is the emotional part of your brain. So you have the body, you have the brainstem, which is keep us alive at all costs. Mm -hmm. You have the limbic system, which is emotion. Then when you fold your fingers over, that is what we call your cortex and prefrontal cortex. Mm -hmm. And that's where your rational thinking comes in. Um, You know, let's say that just for an example of how this all comes together, you're hungry, your brainstem, like your stomach starts growling in your body. Your brainstem Mm -hmm. recognizes that you are hungry. Your limbic system comes in and says, man, this one particular food brings me so much joy and it would be so good to have a cheeseburger right now. Mm, Good call. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Can't go wrong with that. Mm -hmm. Your cortex comes in and says, okay, let's figure out where we can go get a cheeseburger right now. It's like five o'clock. That's a reasonable time to eat a cheeseburger. Five five guys, cheeseburger. I see where this is going. (laughs) There you go. Yeah. The mapping and the connections happening right there. That's your cortex. Okay. so when trauma occurs, mm-hmm. you can call it, some people call it when you flip your lid, when you have trauma response to something. And so you can just flip up that, that cortex that work. part yeah, because it literally goes offline when there is something traumatic happening, when your body perceives a threat. Um, like there's been studies done, there's fewer electrical impulses actually go into that part of your brain. So you are only reacting based off of that. I have to survive and the emotion mm-hmm. that are coming from that. So the emotion is still there. Yeah, the emotion is still there. It doesn't there. go offline. Okay. No. And the emotional part um, is actually really important in storing memory as well. Um, so that, and then uh, this is like a little caveat too. The tip of your thumb, you can call the amygdala of your Mm -hmm. um, limbic system. And that's like the fire alarm of your brain. It's what sends your body into fight, flight, or freeze mode. Yeah, I'm sure. I think there's a lot of people that have heard about that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, when people are talking about, man, I wish I could have done this. I wish I could have, um, you know, done something differently. I wish I could have yelled. I should have told somebody. Right your brain is literally offline. Like you are doing what you needed to do to survive. Um, 
So that this allows you to give your, I, I feels like the case that you're making here is you need to give yourself some grace. Absolutely. As you're processing through, once you're safe, mm-hmm. which I know mm-hmm. is a, a difficult word to use talking about trauma, but once you're safe and rolling back through the experience, as you start to judge yourself and, and even our court systems are bad about this, mm-hmm. like, well, let's talk about who's to blame here. Uh, it's it, this person's to blame because of the way they're addressed or this person, blame, you know, all that stuff. As you're rolling through the trauma, you're like, wait a minute, I need to give myself a pass here because yeah. uh, I've actually heard therapists reference it as the monkey brain. Yeah, like, that's it. Yeah. The, uh, this part of my brain was just trying to keep me alive. And if mm-hmm. my brain determined that silence was the way to keep me alive, that's what I was going to do. Yep. You know, And I didn't have like all these equations rolling. I just did what my mind was telling me to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So... I think a lot of people, you're right, they look back and judge. And it's probably a, a big reason why people don't pursue therapy because that shame of somehow, and this is how we talk about it a lot, somehow this was my fault. Yeah. And that sense of, you know, holding on to that, like I could have done something differently. Like this is this is a result of my actions. I did this to myself. You know, I think that a lot of that is retaining some control over the situation mm. as well. Um Like, if I think that there's something I could have done to protect myself from this, then that means that I wasn't actually a victim in this, that there's something that could have happened um, that I could have done to save myself. When in a lot of, I would say, in all cases, you know, you didn't choose for that to happen to you. It's never your fault that um, some type of, you know, assault occurs. Um, So that's, yeah. So once we get to like understanding that we can pursue talking with someone about this, even if we have those feelings of guilt and shame and mm-hmm. all of those things, like, all right, we've, we've neutralized all of those things. We pursue therapy. What does that actually look like? Hmm. Yeah. So there's generally, um, three stages that you can expect to happen in therapy. And the first one is safety and stability. And so, um, you, want to look for a therapist that really meshes with you. Um, There's so many different theories of therapy out there. There's so many different modalities and treatments and stuff like that, that it's okay to shop around for a little bit if you don't hit it off with someone right off the bat, because you are really, you've been hurt by people Mm -hmm. and you are entrusting your story to someone. And so you want to make sure that it is someone who you can fully rely on and feel that they are capable to handle what you're giving to them. Um, And again, that's why it's really important to pick someone who is um, trained in this area. And then the second part of that is stabilization. So one of the major goals of any type of therapy is to reduce reactivity, which is how we respond to what's going on in the world around us. Um, And because of what has happened to people, they have all different kinds of symptoms that can arise. You Mm -hmm. know, some people have full-blown PTSD. They have the flashbacks and the nightmares and um, really disrupting life. And then some people have, um, there's dissociation that can occur and there's um, just anxiety and depression as well. And so the main goal of this is to really just establish a connection with your therapist and then also to figure out coping mechanisms that can help you live more normally in your daily life. Um, because if you are in a state of constant anxiety, 
if there's depression in the way, there's not really, therapy can't progress too much um, as far as diving into your trauma story. So we work on that first. So does, is there like a, and that takes three weeks or how, how, what is I mean, <laughs> yeah. uh, forgive me for thinking like a man, but it's like, all right, how long is that going to take? You know, is there a set number of sessions or? This is not some people's favorite thing to hear, but it just takes as long as it takes, really. Mm-hmm. Um, it. Some people are quick to trust and open up. Some people have really been hurt, and they want to make sure that this person can really handle what they're giving to them. Right. Um, so, and what I'm saying, too, this process generally happens in this order, but it can be kind of cyclical, too. Um, sometimes... You once you get down the road in therapy and you've told something really big and you need a breather for a little bit, you can go back to, you know, like um, building on that trust that you have. Like, um, I think that that can be frustrating for some people, that there's no prescriptive amount Mm -hmm. of time that it takes to, you know, move on from this issue, which I mean, you don't really ever move on I guess but um where you can where you can learn to live life after this has occurred but it's also kind of nice because you don't have to expect to just go in immediately and just blab your whole life story to Mm -hmm. someone the first time that you meet them so there's um there's some leniency there um people have some flexibility in that. Yeah. So the first thing is to say it again. So you're, you're looking for safety and stability. That's mm-hmm. right. Yep. So that's kind of the goal. Like if I'm like, listen to vertical plus, I'm like, man, this thing has happened. I do need to talk to someone mm-hmm. and uh, we'll get to some of the stuff later, but I walk into a therapist's office. That's the main thing I'm looking to measure, you know, not like hundred percent disclosure of all of my story. Yeah. It's like, Hey, let me figure out if this place is safe, mm-hmm. you know, and is this a stable environment? And were there letters on the door that implied that this person has credentials to talk about sexual trauma? Yeah. Right. Yeah. You're just, you're looking to find someone that you can connect with mm-hmm. and you're looking to find someone that has the tools um, that can help remove some of those symptoms that you're having right now. That can help decrease them. Somebody that can give you tools to add to your own to- tool belt from when you're not in the therapist office. Yeah. So is, this, is that how that's played out for you guys with therapy? Yes. Yeah. I think for me too. Yeah. That's how it's worked for me. All right. So that's phase one. Then we mm-hmm. get into phase or I don't know if they're called phases. That's my language for everything since the pandemic. But <laughs> so there's a, like step one, step two, you get to a little bit different part of the process. Yeah. Yeah. So step two is generally when you start getting into the actual trauma work. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I've heard it called remembrance and mourning, which I like. It's not quite as clinical um, because that's truly what this is. It's remembering what has been, what has occurred and really sitting in it and mourning. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is the tough part where you do go back through your story. You do recount it. Um, there's, and like I said, with the beginning too, you don't have to expect to disclose your whole story in one sitting too. You can do little pieces, but yeah. The idea is to go back to that brain model that we had. It's to reconnect that um, 
cortex and that rational right. thinking and bring that back into the memories and to understand what was actually happening at mm-hmm. this moment. Um, and to connect your mo- emotions with the logical thinking of what happened too. So sometimes when people have experienced trauma, they um, experience it as this overwhelming emotion and they may or may not actually have memories of what occurred, but they just have this feeling. On the other side of that, people can recall line by line what actually happened to them and have no emotion associated with it at all. So the goal is to really just kind of incorporate those two aspects to make meaning of what occurred um, and to kind of rethink about some of those cognitive distortions that mm-hmm. we talked about. Like, I could have done something wrong. Um you know, I think some people also just think if I just pray about it more, then this right. won't affect me quite as much. You know, if I trust in God, um, and you know, that's there. There's obviously truth in that too. But when you go back to, you know, understanding what is actually going on too, um, just learning about those tools that you have to reconnect those different parts of your mm-hmm. brain. So, in uh, just layman's terms, this is. Correct me if I'm wrong with how you're, you guys are hearing this, but this is kind of the walking around in the experience, mm-hmm. like the super uncomfortable, almost visualization of the environment or what led to this or that or the other. And being able to be in that safe environment, that's why that's important, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So you're safe here to investigate this in a way where you can roll back and kind of put some pieces together about some things and then the messages the way you've interpreted this mm-hmm. in your own life. Mm-hmm. And this is often where when we're sitting with people at a pastoral level, uh, people bring in the interpretation of the experience by a family member or a friend yeah. that happened very close to the trauma. That's like, oh, well, that's the explanation. I'm a slut, you know, because mm-hmm. that's what my dad said. Mm-hmm. And that hangs around connected to the experience. And you as a therapist are trying to say, okay, let's figure out where that came from. Yeah. Was that person there? How did they know this? Does that sound true now, 20 years after this incident? You know, mm-hmm. those sorts of things where, um, so that's kind of the difficult part that probably mm-hmm. causes people to push away Yeah. from therapy. Yeah, it's when you really dive into and kind of sit in the discomfort of what happened. And it can, and just to be honest, going through this, it can bring up additional things that you've forgotten about too. Um, But that's why we start with that safety and stability aspect of it, too, because you have someone that you hopefully trust by this point of the process in the room who can remind you of those tools when they come up. And I mean, there's so many different things that you can do, too. Um, And what's interesting, specifically with trauma that occurs with the body, so not just sexual trauma, but body work is also super helpful in this, too. So there's trauma-informed yoga classes that you can go to to kind of help reconnect, mm-hmm. like, your body in that, um, you know, the the brain right. uh, example. And so, yeah, that's – there's a lot of resources to aid you through the discomfort in that process. So that's not the – that's surprising. That's not the end step, no. though. No, no. Mm-hmm. What about when they're going through this process and um, they sit with a, a counselor? Is it recommended that, you know, if, if you're married, obviously you're going home to a spouse and say so you're not alone. But if it is a single woman or a single man or a younger person, 
is it recommended for them to go home alone from there or to have a safe person so that because when you're unveiling trauma after trauma Mm -hmm. and forgotten experiences that's going to affect you yeah later on you know you're with your therapist for this hour of time but then later on into the night you're not yeah so what how do you um what it's recommended for people to to not be alone, to be alone? Like what happens outside of the therapist office during this process? That's a really good question. Um, I think that social support is so important in the mm-hmm. recovery process. And it's, um, man, because you only are with a therapist for an hour, hour and a half a week. And then you live the rest of those hours in your day-to-day life kind of mm-hmm. potentially sitting in this Um I don't think there's a clear cut answer. Mm -hmm. I think that that's something that you can definitely talk with your therapist about if Mm -hmm. it's what's worked for you in the past to be able to, you know, keep those memories at bay, to keep your emotions at a place where you can handle the handle them. Um, and that's definitely a good option. Um, some people just kind of want to be alone and go to sleep. Some Mm -hmm. people want to go for a run afterward and blast their favorite music, get their, get those endorphins up. It just kind of depends on the person and what's mm-hmm. worked for them in the past. Yeah. So. I can say from the men's community that's introduced me to therapy, the thing that they encourage and that we all encourage is whatever your initial uh, coping mechanism is for that vulnerability hangover, do that, mm-hmm. you know, as long as it's healthy. <laughs> do <Yeah>. that. <laughs> like um, running. Yes, like running or yeah. something like that. For exercise. Uh, but after that, make sure that you're integrated into a community of like-minded people. Sure. Um, and thankfully there's a lot of men around this area in particular that are pursuing therapy and pursuing sexual healing from, from sexual trauma. So those conversations, uh, can happen, Mm -hmm. you know, and you can, because isolation for men, and I don't know for women, but isolation for men is a very dangerous thing. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so to be able to, I'm in the therapist's office once a week and I, this is how conversations go. We run into each other at the gym or at church or something like, well, I had my session with so-and-so today. And the other person will stop. That's like the signal. How did it go? You know, Mm -hmm. like be curious about that. Uh, That's the language that we use to signal to someone, hey, I'm kind of struggling after this appointment today. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, help me out, you know. Uh, So, yeah, I think you're right. Like those personal responses are important. But sometimes for men especially, that can take you to a very dangerous place of isolation. You know, the woods is great, okay, or a run is great. uh, But you're going to have to stop the run or come out of the woods eventually. Yeah. And you need to have a circle of people around you that can help you with that. I would assume it would be the same for females. Yeah. Right? yeah, yeah, definitely. So we have a kind of a third, maybe final phase once we get through the, what do you call it? The yuck, like, oh, the yuck, the, <laughs> yeah. yuck, the yuck of the process. You've waded through it and now yeah. you're gradually coming out on the other side. And that is, um, it's what I call the integration aspect of it. So, now that you've learned all this and you've made a little more meaning out of it, um, where do you go from here? What do you want your life to look like now that this is an aspect? Um, Mm -hmm. Because something that this researcher named um, Bessel van der Kolk, who has a really great book on trauma. um, Also a great name. (laughs) Whatever that person says has to be intelligent. (laughs) Yeah. So he really says that trauma and abuse is not something that you can treat, but you can treat the effects of it mm. on your life. So it is a part of you, but it does not define you. It is not 
the end all be all of your life. Like so that. how do you want to um, go about that? How can we restore your power, um, the influence that you have on your community, your voice, your expression mm-hmm. of who you are, and just your relationships? So That's the hopeful part. Yeah. Yeah. I love to meet people who are in that phase. Mm-hmm. You're like, man, it is possible, mm-hmm. you know, and they're able to tell their story in an integrated way to be open with it. And then to say, and this is what's happening as a result of those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, God, that's just a beautiful part of, of therapy, but it does take quite a while to get there. It does. <laughs> and like I said, you can have small victories throughout the, throughout the journey too. Um, you don't have to come to the end and say like, I've know what happened and I'm good now. Like, right. That's very rarely. I'm so sad that our listeners couldn't see that little, the little hip thing you did there. And I'm, to, I'm a little teapot. Yes. Yeah. Power stance. Yes. Um, yeah. So you can have these small victories throughout the journey too. I mean, in a session you may, you know, remember this one thing that occurred and sit there and talk about it for a while. And once you, kind of come out of the valley within the session, you can think about like, what does this mean for how I go about my day now? What does this mean for how I interact with this one particular person? What does this mean for how I interact with my spouse and my kids? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a very ongoing process. Yeah. Information is power. And that yeah. happens throughout the whole process, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So I, yeah, I think that's a very great job with that. Thank you. I think that's a very clear descriptor, <laughs> but it leaves us with the question. We're not therapists. Right. <laughs> right. And yeah. uh, so we're not running a practice. Mm-hmm. We are a church. Mm-hmm. So what is the church's role? You know, maybe where is the church misstepped in this? Let's let's try to get honest about that. Yeah, I, we're we're almost always if it's someone in our community, we're kind of that first place that they go. Someone within that, whether it's a group leader, if you're an adult or if it's a student, it's a small group leader um, or it's the parent of the student coming to a small group leader or um, someone just that shows up here on a Sunday and they're yeah, distraught. Yeah, that happens here, yeah. Um, and we're kind of that first place. And I think in the past, the church has done that a disservice, um, not knowing how to handle it maybe or having a plan, but it wasn't really the right way to handle it and giving poor guidance um, because someone couldn't afford to go see a therapist. And so they've decided to become the therapist. Mm. Um, what have you seen, Shelby? Um, I've seen a lot of that. I have really appreciated about Vertical that there is a push towards professional therapy and not just pastoral therapy, which has its place. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think people in ministry have seen a lot and lived a lot and, and there is a place for that. But I think it's to come alongside the people that have studied and practiced and have evidence-based um, information behind them. And mm-hmm. so, um, yeah, I mean, like, there's those sweatshirts that circulate that say it's okay to have Jesus and a therapist, too. Yes. <laughs> Need that, man. I love that. Yeah, that's good. New Sunday uniform. <laughs> I think the way that, that JC was describing it, though, like, the, the role of the church, I haven't thought about it this way until you went through those uh, steps or phases, but... Our role is to provide a safe place, Mm -hmm. first and foremost, you know. And if you look at Jesus, that's exactly what he did. He provided a safe place, first and foremost, you know, either through physical touch or through listening or through Mm -hmm. acknowledgement. 
he was doing that first. You know, he wasn't giving them a big speech first. Or I know so many books, Christian books that have come out of me, like, get out of the pit and, you know, bootstrap your way into the whatever, mm-hmm. you know. We don't do those kinds of things as a church. We're like, hey, welcome to our number. Yeah. This is a safe place. Uh, you've been through some very difficult things. If I haven't been through those particular difficult things, I have been through my own. But there are people in this building right now that have been through those things. Yep. Mm-hmm. So you're safe here, you know, and to be able to communicate, and this is important to say as well, what's said here stays here. Right. You know, the level of stories that we know about people who are in church with us now at Vertical and are no longer with us at Vertical, those things that are shared with us stay with us. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that safety piece, I think, um, from my point of view, part of what the church is doing is hearing those stories and not falling out of our chair yeah. yes. or yep. leaving the room, <laughs> you know, yeah. being able to sit with those things. Um, and then the second part of it is to upset expectations because the expectation is sometimes this is what people want. Hey, tell me what to do. Yeah. You know, like, uh, that's not how this works. <laughs> There's a process, right? So I can't, I can't tell you what to do. And I respect the process too much to do that. But then being willing to share our own experience, you know, as I was processing through things in my life that were like this, this is what it took, mm-hmm. you know, and then being willing to disclose what those things are to a certain degree. Um, I mean, there are things that I've shared with people in, in my office that I haven't shared with, you know, people from stage. Right. Um, yeah. But we, we want to, wouldn't you say we want to create that safe place? I think so. And I think continuing to be that safe place, we're not the professional therapist. We're going to refer someone who needs that out um, and help them get there. But they need the person to call after therapy or Mm -hmm. when the memories come flooding back, they need that friend to lean on. And that's where the community of the church comes in. Yeah. Yeah. That's a big piece. You know, like uh, you can sit with this group of people Mm -hmm. and there's even this other group of people that meets that we're not even in charge of. Right. But they're safe, you know, go sit with them. In fact, I'll be there, you know, and I'm not the pastor there. I'm just a dude there, but there's a chair next to me, you Mm -hmm. know, and we, we can discover a lot of this together man is so messy and, and dangerous it you is know, because r- really we're putting ourselves at risk mm-hmm. by disclosing those sorts of things but we believe in this journey enough uh, mm-hmm. to be able to do that so how, how has the church misstepped that'd be an interesting part of this conversation I think for a long time the church um, was like pray it away you know if you just you mentioned just pray mm-hmm. enough and and seek God enough and he'll heal you and there is an aspect of that like you said um, I think God can heal anything, but I also think there's wisdom in seeking out people that can help you. And mm-hmm. if somebody lost a leg in a car accident, we would take them to a doctor, you mm-hmm. know, and that's, that's trauma. You know, your brain can yes. experience trauma as well. And so I think that's something that is getting better across American Christianity, um, but that has kind of failed for a while. Mm. Yeah. Well, yeah, and it's still happening, right? I mean, yeah. we, we hear stories of people that come to church here and they've experienced other local churches. And the big story there was I had this problem until I'd learned how to trust God, you know, which let's just talk about how crazy that is, you know, like, well, you wouldn't have, I mean, the trauma is one thing, right? But if you just trust God more then that's like a trauma eraser, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. like glad that worked for you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, no, that's, that's not really how it works, you know, and that, we didn't see Jesus like wave the hand over things yeah. or just like pass by. In fact, when the, when the glory of God passes by someone, 
it's very troubling. Mm, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's not settling. It's troubling. I can't look at it. Yeah, yes. yeah, that's right. So, of course, we believe in the supernatural power of God to heal all things. Mm-hmm. Um, but my question is with the church, if the plan of God was to expand the kingdom or knowledge of the kingdom of God through other people, why would trauma and healing of trauma exist outside of that model? Like, no, 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 don't use people with that. I'm going to handle that just you and me. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't feel like it follows kind of the pattern of God. But I feel like also um, the church has failed with pastors who selectively disclose safe things that tie a bow around themselves within a 30-minute sermon. Absolutely. Yeah. Like this is kind of all worked out. You know, yes. look, there's yeah. my wife on the front row. Isn't this my amazing? smoking hot wife. Smoking yeah. hot wife. <laughs> smoking yeah, hot. boy, that's like, I don't know where that... <laughs> It's all over in. TikTok making fun of all the pastors that yeah, they all awesome. have smoking hot wives. Yes, smoking hot wife. Yeah, because they waited to have sex. They made them even so they're they're smoking hot, hot wives. Right. Yeah, right. So uh, how did they? Anyway, let's we can't chase that rabbit. <laughs> I think uh, the stigma that was placed, the church placed this stigma on talking about sex mm-hmm, first of all, mm-hmm. unless you had a smoking hot wife. Yes, and mental health, and mm-hmm. that's, I mean, all of this that we're talking about, that that's what it results in. And so if you can just pray away the Mm -hmm. desire to have sex and pray away your mental health issues, then you'll be okay. Mm. And we're not going to talk about it. We'll just sweep it under the rug and only talk about the pretty things. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because like it or not, people have to sit in a room, either group or an individual, and decide what's going to be discussed at church. Mm -hmm. And if a person who's deciding those things is uncomfortable Mm -hmm. talking about sex or uncomfortable saying that the church has failed or made some mistakes, then... How's it ever going to correct? Yeah. Unless the community revolts and stands up and says, somebody needs to be talking about this, which never happens. Uh, So, yeah, I think being selective about what we talk about, being very vanilla, you know, or kind of grazing up against it. Or, and we should probably go here because I can't remember the name of the book, The Great Sex Rescue. Is that it? It's a new book. It's pretty awesome. I don't know. So I've heard, I haven't read it yet, but it's commentary on the purity culture. Uh, Or you get someone predominantly a male delivering Mm. a sermon that brings a male point of view and teaches incorrect things, Mm. you know, like, well, your husband had an affair because you don't put out enough. I mean, these are things that people, that pastors are saying, right? Oh yes. Uh, you know, or your wife had an affair because you didn't go through her closet and see what she was wearing. And, you know, and you don't have a joint checking account to know what she's buying. And, all this stuff comes out that really is just their personal trauma yes. mm-hmm. leaking out because they have a position of authority and it's backed by the Bible. So I think the church has done a poor job holding other pastors accountable for the things that they're saying. Thankfully, thanks to YouTube and thanks to the pandemic, a lot of that stuff's mm-hmm. breaking down. It is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because yeah. it's like, did you see what this guy said? <laughs> yes. You know, and then yep. suddenly he doesn't have a job anymore. So, But I think our, would you say our place as a church is to provide that safe place. And after that, which sometimes that's one meeting, Mm -hmm. sometimes it's three meetings, Mm -hmm. but we provide that safe place. And then we push to people who actually know something about how the brain works and are not primarily concerned with over-spiritualizing trauma. Yes. I think it's after, and I think it's during, you know, like you need people to encourage you while you're Mm -hmm. going through therapy to keep going and Mm -hmm. to do the hard work that it's going to take to heal. Yep. Yep. So let's say that someone's listening now and, uh, do we have listeners chase a few? Yeah. Let's say someone's listening now and like, I got to do something like as soon as possible. What's a good next step? 
So we actually have um, a system set up for that. And you can, if you are wanting to seek help, you can email us. It's help at livevertical.tv. And those emails will go directly to Ben or myself. And you can be, you can make up a fake email address and never tell us your actual name. Mm -hmm. It does not, we do not need to know information that you don't want us to know. Um, The primary goal of that is for us to be able to get in touch with you and help you get in touch with a therapist that can help. Um, And we have a wide variety of therapists, men, women, young, older. It will be able, we can be able to get you with someone that can specifically help you. And the other side of that is a lot of times I think people don't seek that help because they think they can't afford it. Mm -hmm. Um, And Vertical helps with that. We believe in therapy so much that we will help with that. So you can do that and we will connect with you in that way. Yeah, especially in that first phase, we very much believe in Mm -hmm. helping people find that help. So I think it would be good, um, Megan, if you could like wrap this part of this episode by, you know, giving us some encouragement. We've talked so much about the difficulty and sexual trauma and all that, but a a healthy sex life that is fulfilling and is by God's design, it's out there, right? It's It's obtainable. I think so. (laughs) No. Um, I I think on a previous episode, I talked about being in a very unhealthy marriage and moving now into a very healthy marriage. And I believe that that looks very differently for anyone. Mm. Um, I don't think you ever arrive at this perfect marriage, whether it's the conversations that you can have, the way you manage your household, the way you raise your children or your sex life. I I don't think there's ever just this goal that you meet it's going to look different for everyone um, but it is out there would would you agree with that JC yeah there's no prescription for what the ideal sex life the (laughs) ideal marriage looks like Um, I think it just involves a lot of open and honest communication Um, actually having conversations sitting down with your spouse saying here's my expectations what I would like and comparing those Mm -hmm. um and then also just figuring out what works for you. Because um, mm-hmm. what works for one couple could be drastically different for what works for the next couple. And that even changes throughout life too. So just kind of rolling with the punches, going with the flow of it and doing what works for you and what keeps you both happy in the meantime. So. Thank y'all so much yeah. for joining Thank us. Thank you. Thanks so much. To yeah. talk about this. And um, we're going to take a break and come back for another fun segment, not talking about trauma. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Hey. I'm back on a microphone. Um, And also me. Avery's also back. Let's address that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Although, you know, I didn't break my streak of being on uh, episodes. Because, you know, you I walked still, over to Megan's made a way. Yeah. Yes, he to borrowed the I was, invi- I was not going to do it, but I was invited. Well, so it made I'm more sense gonna... if you were going to, like, yell across the room. Yeah. Just come. I, I was there for ambient noise most of the night. Yeah. I just wanted JC and Shelby to feel hyped. So Were you, like, an applause clapping he in the background? Yeah. Like wow. the live applause. studio audience. Mm-hmm. You had, like, yeah. the cue cards that say, like, applause. Hey, fun fact. <laughs> most, uh, most uh, like, audience applause that's injected into sitcoms now are all dead people. Really? Yeah, I read that mm-hmm. somewhere. Pre-recorded. Yeah. Still yeah. applauding. Applause. Yeah. Hmm. It's like the, what's the name of the scream? You know what I'm oh, talking yeah, about? Oh, yeah, yeah, What is it called? What is it? I don't know. 
Here, I'll Google. You talk, Avery. I'll figure. I'll figure it what out. You, what do you Pretty much, it's a special scream that's in like tons and tons and tons of movies. Like I know oh. it's in all the Star Wars movies. And if if you heard this, Will Wilhelm scream. Yes. If if you heard it, you would know exactly what I'm talking about. Are you about to play it? Ah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I'll, play, I'll play it for our audience. That's in the Star Wars video game, I think. It's in lots of. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The Wilhelm scream. Wow. Anyways. So if you ever hear that, that's it's kind of a fun fact. Anyways. Wow, you two are really smart. <laughs> We're just very cultured. Um, that's why I hired her. Okay, okay. <laughs> 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 all right, uh, so we're uh, we're finally we done here. with all these heavy, heavy things that we've been talking about, Ooh. and we're to the fun parts of the episode. Finally, here we Is go. Is that the attitude we want? Yeah, yes. exactly. Yes. Very yes. good. All right. Oh, uh, <laughs> I love how you. Sometimes <laughs> you, kind of you sound do that. You're in a ru- you sound like you're in a rush. Yeah, like, it's like I accidentally. Ooh. Or like go. you're in puberty and your voice is kind of <laughs> changing. <laughs> You know, I didn't have much uh, voice cracking going on during really? the oh, days. Oh, man, did I. Did I. Was, so I was really bad. fortunate. Yeah, That's it was. Good. And I just didn't know when to say when. Mm-hmm. You know, like just, I just thought, well, maybe I'll pretend like this doesn't happen. And it happened over and over uh, and over again. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Ignore, yeah. ignore, ignore. Yeah, that's Don't. using my, my process on everything, really. Mm-hmm. Speaking All right, questions. Of puberty, Ask us anything. Yeah. Avery. Speaking um, of puberty, let's talk about the 90s. <laughs> Great. <laughs> <laughs> but before that, oh. <laughs> uh, what weird food combinations do you really enjoy? Mm-hmm. Avery, do you enjoy any weird food combinations? Probably not. Yeah, uh, I think you're, you're exempt from this question. Like the pickiest. Yeah. yeah. It's okay. You go first. That way we can see your attempt at trying to be weird food combinations, girl. I don't think this is weird. Woman. But if you say peanut butter and jelly, (laughs) (laughs) I kind of have this thing where it's definitely a salty and sweet combo, but I only do this when I go to the movie theater and it specifically has to be Cinemark too, because their popcorn is elite. Um, But Raisinets and popcorn is Mm. like mixed together. Maybe. Maybe. I have I've done it before. I mean, I've I'm done it before. I wouldn't put it behind me. Okay. Yeah. Um, but mm. I don't know. I, but when I go to the movie theater, I, I have to have popcorn and raisinets, and I, it's how I grew up. Okay. And it doesn't yeah. feel. It's quite not a as weird combination. You describe it. People people do M and M's and popcorn a lot. What uh-huh. makes it yeah. weird to me is that the raisin is going to hang around a while. Yeah. Like an M&M, you can kind of crunch up with your popcorn simultaneously. Yeah. Yeah. And I hate raisins, but for some reason I like raisinets. It's so weird. She's an enigma. I know. It's, Uh. it's, It's a weird... So someone introduced you to this, apparently. Yes, my mom. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So it's a it's, it's a, a nostalgic snack for sure. Well, and my whole family does it too. We all eat raisinets and popcorn when we go to the movies. I just think that it's I couldn't join in on that. I hmm. I don't know. I, I've actually gotten Dalton into it too. Really? He has to have raisinets with popcorn too. Yeah, I don't think it's I a could good combo. It. Could you guys do it? Raisinets and popcorn. I like both of those. Yeah, I, just I mean, don't sure. No, and I've had them at the movies, but not together. I kind of eat one thing at a time. So mm-hmm. see, I feel like my take is even hotter in that popcorn's just a waste of time. <gasps> I know you what? don't like popcorn. I can't believe it. As much as you like movies, you don't like popcorn. I'm kind I of love the movie so much. Well, it, so the popcorn just gets stuck in my teeth. And uh, you have to have popcorn with a drink, right? Yeah. Yep. If I drink something at the movies, I will <laughs> have to pee halfway through. Uh, and so I refuse. Part of that's practical. Yeah, yeah, I refuse to get up during a movie. Yeah. yeah. 
I'm I'm racking my brain on on weird food combinations. I don't. I have one that's marginal. If you need more time to think, yeah, please. <laughs> okay, so Rachel, my wife, whom I love, uh, got me into this. I still find it weird. It is weird, but I enjoy it. It's a grilled cheese dipped in ketchup. That's kind of like dipping it into tomato. tomato uh, that, that sounds soup. gross too. <laughs> No, that's no, a it's great combo. With but do y'all do this? Soup is yes. not nearly yes. as with sweet tomato soup. As yeah, ketchup, ketchup has a very, is very different. sweet, and but the texture's I weird. Almost can't eat a grilled cheese without it now. It's interesting that we mm. think that that's strange, though, because you will put ketchup on a cheeseburger. Yeah. So which is all the same thing yes. except meat. Yeah, like, it's like uh, a patty mm. melt. Yeah. Yeah, like minus the meat. So why is the cheese? Are we not as weird as we once thought we were? Mm. Uh, no, I mean I think if I saw someone doing that, I would observe like how is this going to go? It's unusual. I, I'm just curious how like that how she came about that for the first time. I think her mom mm. put her onto it. The moms. We put a lot of ketchup on things. <laughs> your kids on like cafeteria food. Yeah. When yeah. I was growing up, I it do does sound kind of like something that a mom, like something special, a mom mm. would do for their kid. Like, <laughs> well, her mom, had, her mom yeah. had this freaking pro tip. Her kids were not eating vegetables at all, and so she would food process green beans mm-hmm. and put them into their put it into their ketchup. There you go. And everything. There's a whole cookbook. Little known full fact by Seinfeld's wife. Yes, mm-hmm. Seinfeld's yes, wife. It is. Um, Okay, I think mine falls into maybe not really that strange, but extremely redneck. So that, that's all right. Yep. Uh, we are in Mississippi, right? I mean, it's, yeah. it's going to affect us whether we want it or not. Uh, this is something my dad taught me that when I do this in front of people it causes a lot of conversation. Um, but he taught me to mix Coke and gas station peanuts in the bottle. I've heard of that. So what? Yeah. You drink a Coke, like you drink a fourth of the Coke and then you take the gas station peanuts. They're usually pretty oily and the, you know, the little very salty. Yeah. Very salty. And you pour the peanuts down into the Coke, which dramatically affects the taste of the Coke. Right. So do you just drink the Coke or do you eat the peanuts? You drink the Coke, like you tip the bottle and drink the Coke. You let the Coke and the peanuts into your mouth at the same time and you you like swallow it like a pill? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> no you, you chew up the peanuts. That's why it's critical to point out that it does change the flavor of the Coke. It also really reduces the carbonation to make this possible. So um, I don't think I, I, I feel like more I, I just have to try it. You have to. It's like kind of like when yeah. you pour a bowl of cereal that gets soggy quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like you don't pour that bowl and then go fold laundry. You're like, I need to eat this right now. Mm. When you do that with the Coke and peanuts, like you better be in the truck headed somewhere and you need to just, yeah. Yeah. Because after a few minutes, it's everything spoiled. Disgusting. Mm -hmm. Okay. And it's not really fantastic. Uh, (laughs) But it's nostalgic for me. Like I remember as a kid riding in the truck with my dad and he would, you know, we were the family that you just got gas at the gas station. You did not go inside and get snacks. Like that's Mm -hmm. not what you do. But every once in a while, he would take me in there to get this particular snack for Hmm. me. So Interesting. It's worth trying. I mean, you're yeah. you're gonna ruin like ninety nine cent peanuts and a whatever coke costs now nine dollars <laughs> seventeen. At a gas yeah, so that that's odd. I think based mm. on people's reaction. Yeah, yeah, that doesn't sound appetizing. <laughs> Megan, mine is also a southern dish, not so much redneck. Okay, but southern. So I've learned a lot. My grandfather, my dad's dad, my papa was. We were very close, and I've done a lot of research recently. And learned even more about him thanks to Ancestry.com. Mm. But so he, he spit in the cup. 
was a, <laughs> I, well, I did the 23 and Me and did that, yes. Um, but I've been able to find like newspaper articles. So I knew some things. He is a, he was a minor league ball player, found that out. And he managed the team also when they first started. So Mm. that's where I get uh, the mindset of, I've got to run it and do it (laughs) because I can't. Yes. And then I married a baseball player. player. Um, and then he also, his parents died at a really young age. So he worked at they, they were called CC camps, and they were put in place right after the Great Depression to build the economy back up. So mm-hmm. he worked for one of those, and that's where he learned to cook. So he always cooked our big family meals. And he would make us this dessert, I guess, and it was called pear salad. But it was Questionable a piece dessert. of lettuce yeah. on the bottom with a slice of like canned pear mm-hmm. and then a scoop of mayonnaise. Oh, I have a substitute for that. Like a dab of it and then shredded cheese and a cherry on top. Yes. It was delicious. Have you ever, instead of mayonnaise, done cream cheese? Ooh, it no. Is, that sounds actually like it's supposed that to be. That does, yeah. Delicious. Yeah, that doesn't that sound out. like a dessert from the 50s. It's got to be yeah, canned, though. it sounds. <laughs> yeah, everything is incredibly artificial. Would Would hot dogs and ramen... Be weirder than what I was saying earlier. No, my my kids destroy that. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> then thus it can't be weird. That's just yeah. like a kid thing. That's yeah. right. Yeah, I think, yeah. It's like hot dogs and mac and cheese. Yeah. I think if you were uh, to venture anywhere outside of the deep south and eat what you were just describing with the parrot, people would be like, "That what the heck are you?" There's no way. There's no way that's real food. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Just a, and it's more like what did you call it? It's more like a glob of mayonnaise. Yes. It is like, like a significant dollop. amounts like, of mayonnaise uh, with the with cheese and a cherry. <laughs> 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 oh, awesome. All right, great question. I think Megan yeah. wins. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. Like, I don't know. Uh, weird, I don't know. Megan's feels grosser. Yours is just so weird. I would have but never thought like of mine, that. The presentation is nice. Yeah. yeah. The I mean, salad. enough people do you it. You wouldn't start yeah. cooking peanuts at a, at a family gathering. No. <laughs> you guys but are going to believe. I've heard of cocaine. it. Cocaine. <laughs> <Yeah>. Anyways. <laughs> Speaking of yeah. cocaine. That's great. <laughs> the 90s. The 90s. Hey. Um, <laughs> what is your favorite 90s sitcom and crush? Does the crush, the crush have to doesn't be have to be in the okay. sitcom. Okay. Oh, but mine do. No. All right, Chase. Oh. So the greatest 90s sitcom of all time, and I will not entertain argument or debate, is The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Mm. It is just great. Every episode just, you know, it's good enough. There's some great episodes out there, you know, where like mm. Will's dad comes back and he talks to Uncle Phil about, you know, like, why doesn't he want me, man? Yes. The greatest yeah, scene in television yeah. history. Yes. Has all the range, you know, sadness, comedy, happiness, Carlton, wherever that fits in the spectrum. (laughs) All great. Uh, Am I answering my crush at the same time? Sure, yeah. Yes. Thankfully, also included, probably the most beautiful woman on TV in the 90s. (laughs) Probably not actually true because there was a a lot of pretty actresses. Um, But Ashley, Mm. Will's youngest, I guess, sister, quote unquote, um... Gosh, she was just beautiful. Mm. 12 to 13 year old Chase would have happily dated her. Where is she now? Do you know? Have you followed her? I think she's, um, I know she was a model after the, of course, course, (laughs) uh, after the show. I don't know if she's done much acting though. So there's, it's always like one or two people mm-hmm. make it out of the sitcom and start mm-hmm. doing things. Yeah. 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 I feel like you're a little biased. Like you probably are overrating the show based on your crush. 
Did you watch Fresh Prince of Bel Air? Yeah, of course I did. Yeah. What? It, I mean, it's a good show. I'm I'm confused about sitcom. Does sitcom have to be comedy or? I think that's in the title. Yeah. yeah. So. <laughs> I what don't is know. situational comedy? Uh, yeah, I mean, I know that people use that is, but people use it for any thirty-minute show, right? I yeah, mean, that was kind of that. Yeah, mm-hmm. so they shouldn't, but they do. Yeah, I'm curious what your answer is. Then. I don't know. I I really, I'm not sure. Not much good TV on in the '90s. A little <laughs> weird era. Yeah. Well, I mean, um, we uh, <laughs> we faithfully in the '90s watched Friends for sure. Mm-mm. Uh, I know Friends gets a terrible rap these days. And, no, I love and Friends. A lot of it's deserved, I guess. But I dodged Seinfeld. I was just a little bit too young for that. And uh, Friends was just something that everybody was watching. So, But as far as, like, favorite, I don't know that I was super attached to shows back then. Mm. Yeah. Is there anything you've gone back to recently? Um, no. Nope, I really haven't. Noted. Great. <laughs> I really haven't. I think if, if you had to, like, based on volume of watching, I would have to say Friends because I do know mm-hmm. almost every episode. Mm-hmm. And every if you start quoting Friends, I know immediately. Pivot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Somebody said that to Jim the other day. Yeah. <laughs> Even people who don't like Friends still use the, the You comedy. know yeah. what it means. No, yeah. yeah. Friends is hilarious yeah. to me. I so, uh Chandler Bing's kind of a hero of mine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This was sarcasm. And Janice. <laughs> yes. Is yeah. it cliche to just love Joey? Uh, no, I think Joey is the most lovable character For long sure. term, even in real life. You know? yeah. I also like Ross. Really? I'm one of few. Yeah. I think no, Ross, Ross is, is annoying. Yeah. Have but, you read those articles like Ross is the reason for the downfall of society? <laughs> really? <laughs> no, they're pretty funny. Off. Yeah, they're pretty funny. So what's the second part of it? The crush? Yeah, mm-hmm. crush. Uh, I'm curious your answer. 90s, 90s celebrity crush. crush. Uh, 90s celebrity crush. Um, all right, man. I don't know why I feel the need to admit these things so publicly. But we're going to bypass Jennifer Aniston because mm. who didn't, right? Yeah, right. Uh, who didn't have that crush? So there was this really dark artist that came out in the 90s. Uh, Fiona Apple. Oh, oh yes. yeah. She was all kinds of dark and twisted. and uh, Dark and twisty. Twisty, yeah. yeah. She released an album. I don't even remember the na- name Criminal. of the album. Yep. Yeah, yeah. But her, like, her bright blue eyes were on the cover, and she was super young when she recorded this album, too, which, like, looking back, this is really twisted. Wow. It <laughs> says a lot about what the yeah, 90s Yeah, it says a lot about like. the 90s. Yeah. But I was like, yeah, I mean, I... I could get along with this girl. She yeah. seems nice. Yeah. You know, I would introduce her to my mother. Not really. <laughs> uh, but yeah, decent music, like pretty yeah. creative music, uh-huh. especially for the 90s and uh, very poetic stuff. She's kind of scary. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 She's like uh, way kind of tamed down Billie Eilish vibes. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Not, I said tame. Tamed, yeah. I think the key is you would have to be in like that really weird confusing at the end of middle school right at the start of high school period of your life to think this would be a cool person to hang out with (laughs) (laughs) i feel like she could challenge me she's different (laughs) (laughs) yeah so that was uh that was that was probably one people Mm -hmm. made fun of me for that even back then I was like, man, she's this, pretty. This girl's beautiful. I'd never, mm-hmm. I'd never heard of her. She's yeah. pretty. But then you watch the video and you're like, to one of her songs, you're like, Whoa. <laughs> she would probably kill me in my sleep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Megan. All right. Megan. Megan. So my nineties sitcom that I have seen every episode of 
and also recorded the wedding episode on my VCR. Whoa. Was Saved by the Bell. Oh, well played. That was my favorite. Um, It came on at just the right time after school, and I remember crying tears of happiness when Zach and Kelly finally got married Mm. after all of the breakups. Were they at the beach? Didn't they work at a beach? No, they did work at a beach, but they went to Las Vegas to get married. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So that was my favorite. And I did have a crush on Zach Morris. Who didn't? As every girl did. But there was a boy band that came out in the later 90s. NSYNC. No, before them. Seventh grade. And it was the Hanson brothers. Mm. All of them? No. (laughs) Drummer's pretty young. Taylor. Taylor. Actually, the drummer is my age. Hey. Uh, Yeah. Okay. Yes. (laughs) Which I didn't realize until recently, like, Something came out about them, and I was reading the article. But um, Taylor Hanson, the mm. middle brother, mm. he was my crush. So yeah. Well, I'm doing all this research. <laughs> yeah, you're like clicking away over there. Are you looking him up? Yeah. His name's Zach. They've Whoa, kept he's got really oh, yeah. strong uh, Billy got- Ray Cyrus vibes in that picture. <laughs> yeah, I think his <laughs> hair is particular still long. picture. Yeah, when, when his hair's long with a long beard. They're still Th- making music together, by mm-hmm. the way. Mm, but. Wow, that's some hair. I would be so excited when that video would come on MTV (laughs) because it didn't come often, but when it did. I'm sure it didn't. All right, so so we have Fresh Prince, we have Friends, Uh we have Saved by the Bell. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, so y'all have to bear with me here. What year were you born? Yeah, because I was born in 97. Mm. So Care Bears. Mm, (laughs) I I didn't actually watch 90 sitcoms in the 90s. In real time? But I have watched 90 sitcoms, um, and I really hope that this is a 90 sitcom. I probably should have like fact checked myself, but mm. that 70s show is that no. 90s? Uh, I think no. it's 2000s. I think it was early 2000s though. Close, but no cigar. I think it came out in 99. I'm about to tell you, man. You will be so lucky if it aired in 99. 98. I was. I- I'm pretty sure. 98. Yeah. Oh, hey. My birthday, August 23rd. <laughs> Come on, yeah. you made it. Um, no, but I love that 70s show. It's uh, it's great. And I'll give that to you because the like, first two Ashton seasons, mm-hmm. still pretty good yeah, seasons. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, who, do you, who do you like most? The, the character you like most? Because everybody remembers Ashton, right? He's the, the crazy one. Mm-hmm. But uh, who was the angry friend? I really liked him. Uh, Hyde. Yeah, he's gotten in a lot of trouble. I don't I think, know. I always like. I, I think he's uh, what we like laugh. to call canceled at this point. Yeah, yeah he's a, done some. As a human being, he's done horrific things. He pretty yeah. much, yeah. yeah. He was yeah. the funny, angry friend, though. It was um, a good show. Yeah, so th- definitely loved that show, and then of course loved like Friends, and I've watched some uh, Seinfeld and um, other '90s sitcoms. Obviously not in the '90s, <laughs> uh, but and then '90s crush would probably have to be a young Leo DiCaprio. Um, you know, like Romeo watching Titanic. Juliet, uh, yeah, Titanic. sure, sure. Yeah. Uh, that was a very underappreciated movie. It by is. Titanic. No, Romeo and Juliet. Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> DiCaprio's Romeo and Juliet. Yeah, great. Have you soundtrack. seen that? Um, I don't believe I have. Yeah, I've, I've seen. Uh, I watched actually the other day, but I had seen it before. Uh, What's Eating Gilbert Grape? And I think that was like, was that his first? Mm-hmm. One of his first film? movies. Yeah. Yeah. And incredible performance in there. Very sad movie. But, um, yeah. Someone who re- should receive honorable mention for crushes is Claire Danes because a lot of guys in the 90s yes. have crushes. Mm-hmm. That's so called live. Yeah, Claire. that's yeah. mostly why people were watching Danes. Romeo and Juliet. Uh-huh. It was for Claire Danes. Yep. Oh. 
What year? 19. I love how the people on that table have I to know. research the <laughs> clear names. Like, oh, yeah, I watched that in the movies when it came out. Like, oh, I watched it when I was born <laughs> years later. Um, okay, awesome. Let's, let's move on. Um, if someone narrated the story of your life, who would it be? Ooh. Or who would Claire you want Danes. it to be? <laughs> Leo DiCaprio. DiCaprio. So does it have to be, like, are we talking someone that's famous or someone we know? I think it could be someone we know. It's a, yeah, there's no specifics on this question. Hmm. Okay, hold on. Clarification. I feel like I... If someone narrated the story of your life, is this a movie or I'm hearing my inner monologue becomes this person? I pictured movie. I was picturing I too. movie yeah. too. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It changes the answer. Does it? Yeah. Who would your Who is your inner monologue? Voice? Well, if it's, like if it's you inner know, monologue, I'm going to hear people, them the rest of my life. Yeah. You know, some voice. people don't hear, don't have like internal monologues. I think they're lying. Mm-hmm. I think they are too. What does that mean? Mm-hmm. You don't. That means like the, you don't speak to yourself. Yes. That's Which I not cannot possible. talk I don't to myself know. There all are, the time. Yeah, there no, are no. interviews with people like this, and they're like, "How do you read? Like when you read, what do you?" Like, how does that work? And they're like, I just recognize like the the words. Oh, I have had this and conversation. Yeah. It, it's it's so bizarre to me. But you should look up a interview with someone who doesn't have an internal. What babies in our monologue? That is gonna. That like. is question is going on all of our interviews henceforth. <laughs> do, you have, do you have? What does your voice internal sound like? <laughs> yes. Mine's New Zealander. I don't have one. Mine's okay, not very this nice. is gonna work out. <laughs> hmm. right, don't have so we have to actually pick somebody. Is everyone going to choose Morgan Freeman? No. <laughs> It's, it's an easy choice. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's Ben like, Derek. No, I'm not. I'm gonna choose Morgan Freeman. I'm not going to, but most people would because he is the, you know. And then you have. I'm just cr- trying to ping off the guys that are on the top, like Mike Rowe. A lot of people would pick Mike Rowe. <sighs> Mike Rowe would be really good. I didn't mm-hmm. think about him. Yeah, because he's. I mean, he's got the voice and he does deadliest catch. All kinds. He's of sassy. Mm. Yeah, yeah. He just great, great inflection. <laughs> um, Malcolm Gladwell. A lot of people probably choose him. Oh man, yeah. you're you're getting rid of all these really good options. Well, I'm throwing them out there because I feel like we're a little more creative than that. But they they yeah. are good options. But I yeah. just I want an opportunity to say I would turn these guys down. Sorry, you're not you're not good enough to narrate my life. So. <laughs> okay, noted. Uh, all right, who do you guys pick? Hmm, I I can go. Um, Reba McIntyre. I have two, uh, male or female. <laughs> Reba. How about Barbara Jean? <laughs> um, um, Reba. I would. Meredith Grey. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. No. 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 Um, I would pick George, if anybody, from that show. Mm. Yeah, I love that show. Okay. Um, probably Kate Blanchett. She, I mean, she's Australian, so I feel like she's got a cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. I like, I like her voice. Avery. Uh, Avery. There like it is. I yeah. love that answer. Mm, like a glove. Yes. Uh, either her or if I was picking a dude, probably Matt Damon. <laughs> Mostly uh, because uh, yeah, <laughs> I'll give you the reason why. One of my favorite childhood. You get to meet him. <laughs> no, well, sure, <laughs> but one of my favorite childhood movies was Spirit, like the horse movie. Oh, I forgot man. about that. Played that movie. And he, we wore it out at our oh, house. Oh yes. <laughs> Um, cause I mean that movie came out in 2003, so I was Stallion like, of the something. Yes, no, no, no. Cimarron. Yes. Uh, I was, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Cimarron. I was six when that movie came out and you know, I just, I loved it. But anyways, he is narrates that movie and 
great. Was so a fine good. Job. She was six so in 2003. What were you was, doing in 2003? I'm, like, I'm literally thinking like I watched that I movie <laughs> with my son because he was also a child. But you weren't. It wasn't in 2003. He wasn't born. Yeah, then. that's true. I was that's born true. in 97, so I was six in 2003. Yeah. Math. Yeah. You were in. Co- I was graduating high school, so you had to be in college. In 2000 what? Three. Three. You were, yes. you were at Baylor. I was getting my master's degree <laughs> at Baylor University. So there you go. That's I listened to I your story. Don't ever say I did I was in kindergarten. So. Aw. <laughs> Do we need a Ben story break here? Mm, favorite part. <laughs> a new segment. All right, we're just let Ben Who's going to narrate? There's yes. so many options. Yep. <laughs> part of me... <laughs> Part of me wants to pick the narrator from Jane the Virgin. <gasps> yes. Because that would be hilarious. But I don't think, I don't think you my... You don't want to have like a Gossip Girl thing going on? I've never seen any of that show. Mm. Um, but I don't... XOXO. I feel like you have to have a full-on comedy level story to be like having him. Yeah. So I think probably to Ben Chagrin, just because you got to get him before he's gone. I think I'm going to have to take Christopher Walken because he doesn't really do much narrating. Mm. He's always in the movie mm. as, yeah. some, as a person. And then there's like, you know, narration over it or something like that. I would love to have a whole movie narrated by Christopher Walken. I think that would be freaking awesome. <laughs> Why do you say to my chagrin? I think that's. <laughs> well, because he feels kind of cliche, like it, a cliche voice. Maybe, but it, it, it ensures that everything that you do is going to be interesting. Yeah. Everything. Yes. Even the even the grilled cheese with the ketchup. <laughs> Maybe we should have picked the answer for each person. We Yeah. Mm-hmm. That'd been interesting. I feel like Dave Grohl would narrate your story, Ben. <laughs> like, yeah. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> feel like a man. Going to work. I, I played like, for Nirvana. <laughs> absolutely, Dave Grohl would like have to take breaks to make fun of whoever he's narrating exactly for which is why it would be so great Dave Grohl like, okay, if you're listening your <laughs> <laughs> alright this is the stupid crap he's getting ready to do get ready oh, wait till you hear what happens next this idiot that's good alright Megan who's gonna narrate okay female Reese Witherspoon mm. I Sassy. love her she's southern so uh-huh. everything would come out yeah. right um, sassy enough She's got to use her sweet home Alabama voice, though. Yes. Yeah. Great just, movie. Just that mm-hmm. good. Yeah. My wife tried to quote that movie a few days thing. ago. I Didn't love work. that movie. Didn't go well. But if I had to pick a guy, honestly, Chase, you've narrated what? a few games of Mafia. <gasps> what? <laughs> Me? And I feel yeah. like I could trust you to like pause something and say, wait, you guys need to know the backstory here. Let me, let me, I feel like Chase would break the fourth wall in would do the hand thing. Let me explain. Yeah. yeah. Wait, let me explain. Yeah. Here's let what me, you need to know about or, Megan. Here's what you need to know about this person that Megan's about to interact with and why mm. she's going to handle it this yeah. way. Boy, that's you would okay, if I narrate it, I think I want to direct it too. <laughs> well, Because okay. I'm thinking like so many you thought be bubble in charge things happening. Oh my gosh. <laughs> mm, yeah, I'm like, now in charge of Good answer. Maybe we should read <laughs> <Yeah>. it. <laughs> How's nobody pick Steve Harvey, by the way? Nah. <laughs> a lot of, a lot of comedy Jack Black. <laughs> okay, uh, third runner-up, second runner-up. Excuse me. Oh, he's uh, still going. You yeah. still got people. Yeah. No, I, got I haven't said anybody. He's not chosen anybody. He has not chosen anybody. Yeah, I haven't chosen anyone. Okay, so thought about, thought a long time while you guys were messing around. Yeah. <laughs> thought a long time <laughs> about uh, Matthew McConaughey. Oh, okay, yeah. Good answer. A recent book, and man, he's just hitting his stride there. Uh, next, I went to Daniel Stern. Had to make sure I got his name right. 
uh, was in Home Alone, also narrator of The Wonder mm-hmm. Years. Oh, uh, yes. okay. yeah. So, yeah. you know, I'm going for what I'm trying to do is up the anime, anime, up the ante because my life's not that interesting. Yeah, so, that's kind of what I was feeling. I want a really strong voice. Like, you hear that. Who was like, he in Home Alone? He was one of the uh, the crooks. Burglar. One of the burglars. Mm. Not, 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 um, Pesh, Pesci. Uh, Pesci, the other guy. Oh, I never do his name. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And his voice sounds a little different in the movies than when he's narrating. He yeah, gets he, a, he like a narrow brings voice. the yeah. pitch up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. Uh, so when you hear that voice, you're like, oh, I love The Wonder Years. This is probably going to be great. Mm. Okay. The one that I actually picked, though, I've got to roll over to his name because these are names that no one knows, but you know the voice. David Mickey Evans. Any guesses? Is is he like... He, renowned? Oh, Justice League. No. Is no. he like the guy that does all like the movie... Uh, <laughs> like, no. coming, David, coming Wait, hold on. <laughs> I love your assumptions about my... Is it Ben specific? Is it Ben specific? Like this is like no. something. Or oh. who's the guy that plays Simba in the line? No, uh, Mufasa in the no, line. That's James <laughs> What's Earl his name? Jones. James yes, Earl James Jones. Jones. Man, <laughs> not the same one. <laughs> he falls in that Morgan Freeman. Game. Yeah. yeah, James Earl Jones, Morgan Freeman. Yeah, that'd be yeah, Simba. No, no good. Okay, David Mickey Evans, narrator of The Sandlot. Oh, oh yeah, yes. yes. great choice. Yes. Can you imagine mm. having that voice over your life? I mean, all the feels, all the nostalgia, all the everything. Yes. Because that guy's voice is what you associate with that movie. Let's play the game. Is he alive? You know who else would be good for a female is Demi Moore. She narrated oh, Now yeah. and Then. Uh-huh. Ah, you remember okay. that movie? Oh, he's only 58. That would We're be good. A good one. Also, 58. feel like uh, Emma Stone. Yes. Oh, that she, is a good she pick. She would be yeah, good. Trade your other one. She's kind of like yeah. Yeah. She, she did that. narrated that a little bit. That's a good movie. Mm-hmm. Maybe we should contact these people and see if they would just do like a day in the life for. Vertical I really Plus. just want Dave Grohl here. Hey, that would be great. Dave Grohl, he answers things on YouTube, challenges I've heard and that, things. Yeah. So maybe he's such a cool guy. I would. He really I would think is. So. Yeah. Well, Emma's been to Jackson before. She filmed the Help here, so maybe yeah. she would come back and visit. Come on, Kate Blanchett. I love you. <laughs> if you're listening, I don't right. know that she's the, been to are those Jackson. All our questions? Yes, it is all yeah. of our questions. Wow. Thirty minutes later, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry. We t- we take these questions very seriously. We really yeah. do. So ask yeah. us something. <laughs> yeah. So LiveVertical.tv. Click the Hey Vertical button. Follow us on Instagram. Send us a DM. Yeah. Plus you, at LiveVertical.tv. So many options. Text if you Avery. do it on the website, it's anonymous, so we yeah. won't yeah. even know it was you that asked. Yeah. I love how Megan said they stole my phrase and put it online. <laughs> <laughs> I'm no, I, I basically have a copyright on Hey Vertical. So. Hey Vertical. Uh, that was my idea. <laughs> All right. What do we get to recommends? recommends? If you want to. Yeah. Why not? I think we're ready. Recommends, All right. Well, don't cut off the theme song this time. Ooh. Avery, gosh, dog. <laughs> <Sorry. laughs> recommends, recommends. Yeah, <laughs> wrote it myself. I had to finish what I started. <laughs> wrote it myself. All right, recommend. Recommend. Yeah. Uh, hey, so you know what? Excited. You know what? Want, need, wear, read. Thank you, Janice. Let's get to the crap. Let's go. Go, Avery. Want. Okay. I was trying to see if you would rap. I can't. Um, what you want? What you're gonna? What you're want. gonna want? There you go. Is. I'm sure most people have heard of them. If you haven't, then... The Killers. Backstreet Boys. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, 
It is a particular YouTube channel. They've been around for a hot minute. Um, the Ireland Boys. Oh, wait. Let me guess. <laughs> let Avery speak. Sorry. Let me guess. Okay. Rhett and Link. Good nope. mythical morning. Okay. Mm -mm. Close. Oh, is that your only guess? Yeah. That's oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> no. That was so condescending. <laughs> well played. No. None other than the slow mo guys. Oh. oh he loves the slow mo guys. You don't even know. <laughs> you don't even know. I have, Gavin, Dan. Yes. Achievement I, Hunter, Rooster Team. Oh. I have seen every single one from start to finish. Every single one. Who of owns their the slow mo guys? Who owns them? Yeah. Slowmo.co. I don't know. All right. Uh, I'm not saying I'm a bigger fan than you. I'm just saying. That's what you are saying. Um, <laughs> recommending okay, them. Guys, will you like tell Chase me who owns them? Yeah. Who owns Shoot. Them? I feel like we need to have it's a talk great recommend. This. Yep. Um, hey, it was your idea for me to call it. What's your favorite slowmo? Um, mm. I really liked the one of them spinning a record until it broke. That was kind of wacky. Um, what? I feel like you can't say wacky without being like, wacky. 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 Oh, wacky. wacky we both like, did you notice when she said wacky, we both did this? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> They're shaking their heads. That's going to be my new word. All right. Slow -mo. I'm going to look that up as know. soon as this is over. You never watched the slow-mo guys? Oh, I have, but not wait, the record. And there's oh, also okay. one where they shot a gun underwater. Yeah. That one is kind of cool. And they, they did like different guns. But um, but yeah, it's pretty much just these two guys that uh, that have these super expensive cameras. What? Do you yeah. want to explain it? No, no, no. Go ahead. They have these super expensive. Chase she is turning say, red. She didn't even say frame rate. Yeah. <laughs> what are you doing? What are you um, doing? But. What's the name of their ca the camera company? Oh, gosh. Nope. I should it. know this. You're going to say it and I'm going to know. Yeah. All right, I, Chase. What do we need? Chase, we your need? point is made. We need <laughs> your to be, point is made. We need to be more kind to people making recommendations. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good point. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to bully you. Hey, good recommendation. That was not loud at all. Yeah, nice. All right, what you're going to need is... Oh, shoot. What was I going to say? Oh, I remember. I remember. All right. We just high five so you could end it there. Yeah. Wholesale. That's the name of the game in 2021. Um, if we learned anything from 2020 is that you want to buy ahead of time because you never know what's going to happen. You don't right? need a little. You need a lot. You need the most. Yep. All right. I'm not, I'm not talking about toilet paper, although Walmart. Why not? Great. Underrated toilet paper, Walmart. Should I talk more about that? Nope. No. Okay. Keep going. Costco. Anybody know about the Costco game? I know Megan does. Oh, yeah. I've never been. Actually, yes, I have, have been. Yeah, they, Megan took you. No, Avery's no, never been there. So no, I haven't oh. been to this one. I've been to Sam's recently. Alas, anyways, <laughs> pre-made meals from Costco. Mm -hmm. Sam's also has them, not as good. Mm. Costco has, man, street tacos. They have so many things, but my I, if I'm gonna give a singular recommendation, anybody here like meatloaf? Mm -hmm. If it's done well, yes, yeah. Mm. You want done well? Mm. Well, how about some well-done meatloaf <laughs> from Costco? With have you ever had sweet tomato sauce on your? Uh, I was about to ask, what's the sauce like and what's sweet, the ratio? So very, uh, very savory. Rachel corrected me. Savory does not mean salty. Salty, well salted meat. Okay, yes. With a sweet tomato sauce on the top, mm -hmm. with okay. a side of buttered mashed potatoes. Mm -hmm. Hot freaking dog, so good. Feed your whole family. <laughs> <laughs> 
That was the most '90s commercial for me, though. Even Hot if you have a lot so of kids, and feed, them. feed your whole family. It really is so good. I I had it. So we have some friends named the Shepherds that used to live here in Madison. Gray's been on the podcast. Where did yep. they move to? He bought a baseball. Uh, team. It's some nowhere place. I don't know. He bought a baseball team. He did. <laughs> My hometown of Monroe. Meatloaf. That's interesting because if you think about something made in mass quantity, meatloaf would kind of gross you out. Yeah. Right. But you're saying Costco does it well. They nailed it, man. It's mm. my favorite meatloaf. Okay. It's so good. I may have to try that out. Mm-hmm. Real good. Anyway, that's enough. All right. All right. Where? So where? So where? where to me now? Right All here. Right. I am actually going to recommend something that I am uh, wearing every day these days. We all know that the time of year is changing. Sun's out, guns out. Sunscreen. Or your no, sun hat. No, no. What does a bald man need sunscreen for? <laughs> uh, sunscreen um, on your head. Yeah. So the the sun is out, and as we all know, especially for balding men out there, uh, one of the ways you can make a fashion statement is with your eyewear. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Which applies to other people also, but it's very critical for bald men to have a great pair of sunglasses. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been an aviator guy for a long time. Michael McQuillan's ruined that for me. Uh, so now I'm having to trade things out, and recently so that I we purchased. So we know who's who when we're yeah, outside. Like, yeah, no, it's still not working. You go on the Wayfair game. Yeah, uh, no, no. I have another friend that wears those. They look kind of bizarre on me, but I found something that is unlike me, and this product is very affordable. Okay. Okay. Uh, just went out on a limb and went with a pair of Huckberry sunglasses. I've never heard of that in my life. Yes, nope. they're an online retailer, Huckberry, and they. They're kind of like an outdoor company slash maybe mm-hmm. not really. Uh, so it's not like you're going to run into Patagonia, North Face, and all that stuff. But a pair of quality sunglasses from these guys, 45 bucks. Oh, that's nice. Bucks. Yeah, so it's it's a little above the... Polarized? Yeah, it's a little mm-hmm. above like I don't care if I leave them somewhere. Mm-hmm. You do care if you leave them, but you're not going to be destroyed if you get into your car and sit on them. You're like, well... They lasted three months, 45 right. bucks. We're good, you know. Yeah. Or if, as happens in my house a lot, your kids or spouse steal them because they're <laughs> good sunglasses, right? So I uh, have a couple of different styles. There's a classic style, it'll be all over the website mm-hmm. when you see it. They're a little bit Wayfair like, yeah, uh, but enough to be different. Mm. 45 bucks. Summertime's rolling around, especially if you're bald. Don't you dare go to the gas station to get some of those neon side sunglasses. Looking at you, big stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mm. get a good, a pair good of recommend. Thank that you. is a good recommend. Yep. People deserve some mid-tier sunglasses. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I have expensive pair, but uh, those are the ones I'm going to wear to the pool. The forty-five dollar mm. pair. Mm. Mm. Yep, that's good. All right, read. Megan right, accused read. me of never reading, so you got the read. Yes. So I'm currently reading a few books, but this one was recommended by Jen Hatmaker, who is now being mentored by Brene Brown. Stop so. it. I Stop. love it is that like last name. Fantastic. Wait, what was the last name? Hatmaker. Hat yeah. So what do you do for a living? <laughs> well, my, my I'm tired t- of people asking. <laughs> Hatmaker. So we're going to make this. My no. maiden name was Glover. Oh, you should have so. been friends with Jen. Oh, well, not as straightforward as Hanover Will Glover. Hey. Danny? Danny. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to do my recommend now. <laughs> oh. Sorry, Megan. It's fine. It's fine. Um, so Jen recommended this book called Professional Troublemaker. Hmm. Mm. And I am currently still reading it, but um, she talks about that the professional troublemaker is someone who critiques the world, their shoddy systems, and the people who refuse to do better. Their what systems? Shoddy. Shoddy. Uh, S-H-O-D-D-Y. Shoddy. 
Uh, restaurant, restaurant. Who and are you, Avery? Avery. Just trying to make sure I didn't have to do some editing. Later. And the author yeah, 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 yeah. of the book is Lovey Jones. <laughs> Hatmaker. Yes. Lovey Jones Hatmaker. Yes. Like, that sounds like a, something I would call my grandma. I love it. <laughs> Might be. You never know. Hey. Lovey She's Jones Nigerian, Hatmaker. so she has oh. a really cool middle name. Ah. But everybody just calls her Lovey Jones. How did Hatmaker score being mentored by Brene Brown? So if you haven't seen this, it's kind of all over, but Jen and her husband divorced. Right. I remember this. And so she's been going through a lot of different things and she, she does a like a vlog on Instagram once Mm -hmm. a week. And a couple of weeks ago she said, well, Brene told me I was reading these books, so I'm not sure maybe they were already friends. That'd be really cool. Well, just she to decided to be very my vulnerable through, her, and, vo- through yeah. her divorce. Yeah, she definitely yeah. did. So to be mentored by Brene, you have to get divorced first. So she had never really talked about Brene before. Not that I'd seen. Mm, good on her. She writes. She her didn't own books flex and, uh, being you know interacting with a famous no. yeah. person. No, she has, she's never really been that way. Even when they were on TV. Props. I know. Mm. All right. Well, you guys want to hear a fun fact? What's that? I'll tell you later. <laughs> 